Our Bible verse this morning is from Acts 2, verses 14 to 21. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Carol. Will you pray with me? Holy One, pour out your spirit upon us. And either through me or despite of me, honor the meditations of my heart and the words of this day, that it all may be pleasing in your sight. Amen. So I was contemplating this week. Also, I had two 11-hour drives from here to Helena and back. So I was contemplating on all the drive. Um, on how to best honor our fathers, our father figures, and strong male presences in our lives today on this Father's Day. And I think that I hit on the perfect thing, the dad joke. You know those cheesy, punny jokes that makes everyone groan? <laughs> Man, uh, Steve is a master at the dad joke, just by the way. Like when a kid says, I'm hungry, and the dad says, Right? Hi, hungry, I'm dad. Or how about these? My wife said I was immature, so I told her to get out of the fort. <laughs> Some of it takes a minute. Some of it takes a minute. I spent a lot of time, money, and effort childproofing my house, but somehow the kids still keep getting in. Yeah, that's good, right? Right? Do you know the last thing my dad said to me before he kicked the bucket? Son, look how far I can kick this bucket. <laughs> Akin to the dad joke is the dad saying, like, working hard or hardly working. If someone told you to jump off a cliff, would you do it? Have you heard that one? Or this one that my dad is famous for. Bye, be good. And if you can't be good, be careful. 
which is very ironic if you knew me and my siblings were so well behaved. But the best dad quotes are the ones that go like this. Here, let me show you how to do that. Hey, come sit down and talk to me for a minute. I'm proud of you. I love you. Now, I won't be so naive as to say that every father says the right things to their kids all the time. You know, here at Wash Park, we always try to acknowledge the complexities of our relationships and honor those who have had varied experiences. And there are varied experiences. Some of you are feeling that today. And that's what makes thinking of God as Father so tricky. Because not all fathers embody the qualities that we would want to attribute to God. And just because you are a father does not mean that you can claim God-like status in your home or in your family, although people have tried. And yet, in the concept of the Trinity, we proclaimed that God is expressed in different ways. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Those are the traditional figures of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Sometimes I claim those figures a little bit differently, maybe by saying creator, redeemer, sustainer. But today I'm thinking Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, a couple of weeks ago on Pentecost, we considered God as spirit. And next week, we're going to consider God as son or God as child. But today, God is father. Now, on Pentecost, we talked about the story of the Holy Spirit descending on the grieving followers of Jesus. They had just lost Jesus to death on the cross. And the Holy Spirit came upon them with wind and fire. And as those who were filled with the Spirit began to speak in different languages, there were others around who dismissed this totally looking at each other and saying, ugh, they must be drunk. But the disciple, Peter, cannot let that dismissive comment stand. He rises and he starts to preach. Whoa, 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 he says. These people aren't drinking yet. It's only nine in the morning. Don't you see what's happening here? This is exactly what the prophet Joel told us would happen, that God would arrive to us in spirit form, and there would be prophecies and dreams and visions and wonders, and that we would be reminded of our God, our Father, and call out to him for salvation. 
Peter reminds this faithful gathering that they belong to God. And God has not forgotten them. That even though, perhaps as wayward children, they may have wandered far from their heavenly parent, they have not been forgotten. And they are being called back, back to the comfort, guidance, and care of their Abba, of their Father. So like I've already mentioned a couple of times, I spent this last week in Helena, Montana. And yes, I did drive back yesterday after the ordination service and got home about 11.30. So if I act a little crazy or my eyes are a little puffy, thank you for your grace. But I was there for the, two, the 2022 session of the annual conference of the United Methodist Church of the Mountain Sky Conference. Gathered in person and online, of course it was hybrid. I'm not sure if anything will never be hybrid again, right? There were over 600 clergy and laypersons of the United Methodist Church from our area, which spans, you probably know this by now because I said it a lot, Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, Montana, and two towns in Idaho. Now, I'm pretty involved in conference stuff. I serve as the chair of the Board of Ordained Ministries, so one of my big responsibilities is helping usher candidates through the process to be ordained clergy persons in the United Methodist Church. Part of that process is being voted on by the clergy body of our conference which gathers together at our annual conference in a session called Clergy Session. During this meeting, which was kind of my big meeting for the year, and it happened this last week, every candidate for ordination, and this year we had nine, every candidate for ordination kind of walks in, stands in front of the whole clergy body, and they are, you know, given the opportunity to speak and to talk about their call to ministry. And then they leave, and then we vote on them. It is nerve-wracking for the candidates. And this isn't the only thing. They've been through interviews with the Board of Ordaining Ministry and all sorts of things. So this is like the last thing. It's, it's one of those things that sort of is a rubber stamp, but not always. So I know it's really hard for the candidates, but I have to say, as a clergy person who is a member of that body, I find it an inspiring, hopeful, sacred time and responsibility. But it was fun. They were, they knocked it out of the park. It was really cool. So there were two really amazing moments at annual conference. Thank you for your indulgence of me sharing these stories. I really want to share these things with you. So I just thought they were so cool. One moment that I'd like to share with you um, actually has a little bit of a backstory. 
all of us at the conference were very aware of some news that came out of actually the Florida annual conference that took place last week. So this is kind of the season of annual conferences all over the United Methodist Church of the United States. Like we see all these conferences are doing their annual conference and sometimes you hear news coming out of other conferences. Now at their clergy session, they had 16 ordination candidates. And sometimes different conferences will deal with things differently. Sometimes you vote on candidates individually. Sometimes you vote on them as a class. Um, and Florida was voting on them as a class. There was a group of people in this clergy body of the Florida Annual Conference that because three of the candidates were LGBTQIA, they led an effort to block the approval of every ordination candidate. And they were successful. What is needed at clergy session is a 75% approval of the body. And because of their efforts to block the vote, it only got 70%. And every single one of those 16 candidates there, having brought their families in for ordination service later in the weekend, walked out of that room knowing that they were not approved. I want to stress that this was a small group of clergy, and the rest of the clergy were heartbroken. It was a small group, but enough to deny these 16 called, equipped, and ready people from ordination. It was ugly. Harm was the point. Actually, we've heard that in the week since. Destruction was the point. It was devastating. It was heartbreaking. So as a response of those things that happened in another area of our church, a piece of legislation was written from someone, actually a couple of people in our conference, Mountain Sky, to offer an open invitation to these 16 persons, saying that in the Mountain Sky Conference, our door is open and we would be happy to accept any of them and credential them in our conference. The really cool thing was that we brought this to the Board of Ordained Ministry, which is my group, and immediately they were like, yes, we want to endorse this petition. So we endorsed it. And then the next step is we went to the clergy session, which is with all of the clergy, and we presented it saying, we've endorsed this as the Board of Ordained Ministry. We want to know what you think. And they said, yes, we want to endorse it. And then it came to the floor of the plenary of the whole annual conference. And together we said, yes, we want to vote this in. Effectively, we passed legislation that might just be a statement, but the statement was this. Hey, come over here and sit with us and talk for a minute. We are proud of you. We love you. 
And even if those candidates don't ever reach out, there were other conferences that were doing similar things, they go to different conferences, it really doesn't matter where they end up. What they know is they are welcome here. Man, I was crying as I was writing that. I didn't think I'd cry now. It was powerful. The other moment I want to tell you about, and if you ever get the chance to go to annual conference or even just the ordination service, which is usually our very last thing that we do at annual conference, I invite you to attend. Next year, it's going to be in Colorado Springs, so it'll be a little bit easier for you. Or watch us online. The moment of ordination in the ordination service is one of the most holy and sacred moments I've ever witnessed. Not only because I remember my own every time an ordinand kneels, um, but because something happens in that space. So what it looks like is there's usually a kneeling rail, kind of in the middle, just a little one-person kneeling rail in the middle of the stage. And the candidate will come across and kneel. And the bishop lays hands on their head. And at the same time, all of these people gather around, clergy people and the cabinet, which are clergy, and the family and mentors. At the ordination service this year, my job was to kind of stand way off to the side, and I was queuing up the families to be ready to go up onto the stage when it was their loved one's moment. And I've never had that particular role before, um, and it was so precious. Because as I stood there, there were these families coming forward, and this wasn't just spouses and children, it was, and they were super excited too. But it was mothers and fathers. Sometimes they were kind of elderly. <laughs> Often clergy or second career. Not always, not always. There were mentors. People who had guided these candidates in life and in faith. And there were all of these shiny eyes and tears as they were able to gather around and love, lay hands on and bless their person. There were tears. There were humbly puffed chests. Small person. And there was celebration. Because God's gift to us is others. God's gift to us is people to guide us. God's gift to us is people to love us, people to surround us, people to embrace us and lift us up, people to be proud of us. And today, as we honor fathers and all of those who've given us those gifts, let us also be the people that offer those gifts to others. I pray these have been the words of the Lord for us this day. Amen.